Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Rage Bible is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Robin Caleb Show. The show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and... Theology matters. And theology matters. <laughs> My name is Caleb Hag. With me, of course, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going? Hey, Welcome. Caleb. I'm excited. I'm excited, man. I, I'm so grateful. I just think... Uh, I know God is good. That's right. All the and time. he's shaping me. Mm. I see it in my life. Mm-hmm. He's shaping me to be more like Messiah. And I'm grateful for that because that's one thing that you can read all the, I don't know, self-help books or whatever kind of things in the world or discipleship to Yeshua and the refining power of the Ruach HaKodesh in our life is what is what shapes us. And uh, that's, uh, that's a, a glorious thing that he has chose us when we were in sin and when we have no merit, nothing to offer, nothing to offer except the fact that he died for us and he believes in us and he will never leave or forsake us. No doubt. That's uh, just such an important uh, anchor. It is the core anchor of God's election. Um, and so just a good thing to, to, to be mindful of. All How right. about you? What's new? I got this new yarmulke. That's what's new. That's, that's awesome. Mr. Adam Smith sent it to me. Did he? Was that... Uh, now, now, we should we should tell everybody that this show is actually pre-recorded. So uh, we're actually doing this... Uh, well, this was recorded on August 23rd. So if you call our our, uh, our listener line... Our hotline. You, uh, if yeah. you call our hotline and you get no answer, it's because that's we're why. not there. <laughs> now all we so no is, chat room today to distract me. Now, uh, now, now all we got to do is get a listener line. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, last week... Now, we got to jump right into this because last week we took uh, like an hour. Well, yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, before we say that, actually, we're, there will be a chat room when this is playing. There will be a chat room, yes. Okay, so so yeah, we just won't be able to interact with the chat room. So we encourage you to chat amongst yourselves. That's right. Talk talk <laughs> amongst yourselves. It's there, like okay. Buddha. Okay, anyway, so um, yeah, so last week was pre-recorded too. So last week, when you're listening to this, last week we were at family camp. This year, my family or this year, this week, my family is enjoying uh, a week of vacation down in good old Disneyland, which I've never been to before. So I'm excited to to be in Disneyland, I think. I don't know yet because I've never been there. But when you're listening to this, I'm there, and I'm sure I'm excited. Yeah. I wish I would have gone a little earlier in life. But it'll be fun to see my, my son's face as he sees Mickey Mouse in life size. Anyway, um, so last week was pre-recorded too. Last week we talked about... Uh, Toby Janicki's uh, teachings from FFOZ. And they put these up on their YouTube page. 
And uh, I'll just give a quick recap for, for people who might not remember. Now, we, we took an hour to, li- to listen to three clips. Those clips were, uh, the first one was, to- Toby explained that F of OZ's stance, uh, it, it did not teach that, that uh, there was one law for Gentiles and one law for the Jew. And uh, he explained that F of OZ does not teach uh, that the Gentiles are only supposed to keep four laws found in Acts 15. Uh, and he uh, also explained that uh, FFOZ does not teach that Gentiles should not keep the law. That's what he said. Okay, that was the first clip. So we talked about that. And if you want to listen, uh, go back and listen to last week's show. Okay, the second clip that we listened to last week was uh, Toby said that the Torah makes provisions for someone who goes through a ritual of conversion, uh, which we, we strongly disagreed with. I think we spent a lot of time on that one, actually. Okay, so the last clip that we listened to is actually two minutes and two seconds long. I know that Rob's going to stop me in this, but I think that instead of uh, trying to explain this uh, to refresh everyone's memory, let's just listen to it again. Here we go. Uh, because, and and uh, it should be noted that uh, Rob and I recorded last week's show, what, two months ago? Uh, no, no, I can't hear you. What's going on? I can't hear you. You muted. Oh, I muted my. I muted my mic. Sorry. The the other clips that we're going to listen to today, I have not heard. So the only clips I've heard of this were the last ones. Uh, So the new clips that. uh, Yeah, but we recorded. You you and I recorded our last last week's show. We recorded that what a month ago, two months ago. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so we're we're trying to refresh our own memories here. Exactly. Okay, let's listen to uh, the last clip that we listened to last week. Now, it was a long one. We're going to try not to spend too much time on this because we got a lot of cl- clips to get here, get to here. Okay, here we go. So, you know, the Jerusalem Council meets. Do we, you know, uh, do these Gentiles coming in, do we require them to, uh, uh, legal, to convert and to become legally Jewish or does God accept them as they are? But they approach this as traditional Jews. <laughs> they approach this within... And, he, and once again, just so we can point out, he's using these, these uh, terms, and we pointed this out last week. Uh, he's using these terms like tradi- traditional Jews. What in the world yeah, does that mean? It's, I almost, it's like I see Tevia the milkman, and you know what I mean? I, it, as if, that's not the like case. Like a 17th, 18th century version of Yeah, of Eastern Jews. Europe or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah this, is not, this is not what's going on. There's no such thing as traditional uh, Judaism. Okay, and, let, and, let's let's keep going though, because I I, I want to get through this. But clip here's back. the other thing: it's a false dichotomy. Because what Peter, it's clear in Acts 15, what Peter says is, God has made no distinction; He has purified our hearts by faith. Theirs just like ours. So, the the new reality of life in Messiah Yeshua is composed of Jew and Gentile, both of whom have received purity of heart by faith in Yeshua, by Yeshua's deed. It's not that the Jews were in and Gentiles had to become part of that. this. It's that the reality of being in Messiah, the reality of being new creation requires, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, requires the purification of your heart. And that's, that's, uh, that's how we get access into the, the Messiah's kingdom. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Halakha. I mean, first of all, they're talking about conversion, which is a halakhic process. But, you know, 
Obviously, they decide, right, Gentiles do not have to convert and become legally Jewish. Instead, they're to keep these four laws. Instead? I don't know. This it's okay. Never mind. Keep going. Well, they, pardon me. I got something in my throat. Uh, the other thing is, is that uh, for those who might remember, if you're one, if you're one of the 36 people who actually listen to this podcast on a regular basis, then you'll know that uh, a month ago, when my father was on with me during Q and A, he came on when Rob was on vacation, and uh, we talked about the difference between a ger, a nochri, right? And so uh, my my father gave his opinions and. Honestly, somebody berated me. I, I, I didn't mention this at the time. Somebody berated me for saying, well, you know, my father's written a whole book on this called Fellow Heirs. Fellow Heirs, yeah. Go, yeah, go read the book. He said, no, I'm not asking what your father believes. I'm asking what you believe. Well, I mean, why, rein, why reinvent the wheel? You know, my father's done excellent work on it. His scholarship is solid on it. I've read his book. I agree with his book. For those, yeah, for it, those, it's a good articulation of the of the points. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, why why try to restate what he's already stated very well? You know, I don't agree with my father on everything. There's no doubt about it. And I think that uh, we proved that, what, a month and a half ago when uh, I was explaining my views on, uh, or, you know, my ideas at least, not necessarily solid views, but my ideas on Romans 1126a. Anyway, uh, yeah, all that to say, uh, I, I do accept my father's uh, excellent work on uh, the word ger and nochri and uh, those kind of things. And so if you would like to reference that, you can find it in his book, Fellow Heirs, found on TorahResource.com. But if we're talking about, if our hashkafa is going to include the idea of the oral Torah, then certainly we have to think that the apostles did the same thing. Pause. Okay, <laughs> let me paraphrase. I, that's an important quote. If we're going to take oral Torah as a, an important part of our hashkafa, our theology, our worldview, our Jewish worldview, if we're going to take oral Torah, therefore we must think that the apostles did the same thing. Is that? Did I hear that correct? Well, let's listen to it one more time just so that we don't misquote him. The idea of the oral Torah, then certainly we have to... A little to bit more, a little before that. Yeah, yeah I got you. Our hashkafa is going oh. to... More. But if we're talking about, if our hashkafa is going to include the idea of the oral Torah, then certainly we have to think that the apostles did the same thing. But, oh my goodness. Why, why do I, we have to I, think that? Why, because what he's saying is, if I think a certain way today, then I must think that the disciples did the same thing. And know, I'm like, that's backwards. Yeah. Okay, isn't it, so, isn't it, wait a minute. I want to I learn what Scripture teaches, and I want to pray that, that with, through diligence of study, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, through the community, the conversation, and looking at other scholars, that I'm going to be shaped into... Okay, but we've, uh, we, th- we're, we're beating a dead horse because we already hit this last week hard. Okay, this is an old clip. That's right. This is the old clip. So I mean, okay. Like, okay. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. You're making good points for sure. But we've already, we've already. So okay. if the people who have listened last week, they're saying, yeah, get on with it. What's the next clip? Uh, but I want to finish out this clip. We got a minute and four seconds okay. left, and I want to listen to it just so that we can re- remind everyone where we were last. We're not week. sitting here saying, you know, oh well, uh, you know, if they don't convert, uh, let's uh, let's think of maybe four laws. Do you think that'd be a good place to start? 
Where are they getting this, is what, I'm, is what I'm asking you. Is this just something they made up? Was this a revelation from heaven? No. The apostolic decree is actually based upon a sort of uh, prototype or early form of the Noahide laws <laughs> and the concept of the Gerto Shav. Prove it. We're going to go into this in detail. In other words... Today, if you would go into a Jewish bookstore and you would pick up a book, a Noahide book, and you'd you'd start reading about how do I become a Noahide, it's very set, it's very defined. But in the days of the apostles, uh, in the days of the master, things were still being debated. So we don't know for sure that you have the exact Noahide category, but certainly there was something like it, the evidence suggests. And the same with the Gerto Shav. I like when he says we don't know for sure. I think think he just said it left it at that, <laughs> that he doesn't know for sure what he's talking about. <laughs> well, he, okay, uh, once again, you know, one of the things that we love to say on this is prove it. You know, if you're going to state yeah, the Yeah, show me. Show me. Exactly. Where they, show there, me. There's no evidence of that. Now, now, I remember this because actually I pulled these clips like two months ago, but I remember this. Janicki is going to go very hard into the didache as proof. Okay, so this will be fine. We'll get to that. Um, first, let me get my notes up here. Um, okay. So uh, this is, I found this to be an interesting clip, and I think you will find this to be interesting as well. This is, a new, this is a new this clip, is, right? This is a new clip now. So so, so I haven't uh, heard any of this. All right, good. Yeah, and, and, and the Hoff, I'm sure, can go off all he wants. Here we go. So obviously here you have various... You, you have various laws. We don't need to read the passage. We've all read it before. Here are the Noahide laws, according to the rabbis. So you have, do not murder, do not steal, do not worship false gods, do not be sexually immoral, do not eat a limb removed from a live animal. That's how they interpret the prohibition of not eating blood there. Well, by the way, I just I got to stop here. We've talked about the Noahide laws before in depth on a show. If you want to find, if if somebody wants to listen to that show, uh, shoot me an email, and and I'll I'll send you a link to it. Um, but also, also he's missing the <laughs> he's miss, and this is a big failure on FFOZ's part in terms of, and it shows that their inability to engage with scholarship is that uh, Tim Haig wrote. An excellent paper presented at the ETS even. Do the seven, go to heaven. In other words, do do these seven and then go to heaven. This kind of a, a little wordplay there in the in the title. But he shows clearly, goes through the rabbinic sources in in a, a mature, um, a systematic, methodological way to show how the the Noahide, this concept of Noahide laws, mitzvah, mitzvot b'nei Noach, functioned in uh, the Mishnaic, Tosefton, and you know, in the in the Midrash, and even in the Talmudic era. And the way this person is teaching it right now is circumventing several hundred years of Jewish history. And now promoting something, listing this list called the seven Noahide laws, and projecting that back. Well, what well, do, why do I care? Why do I care what medieval, what seven laws uh, Jews rabbis came up with several hundred years after the fact 
of the apostolic writings. Why, do, why does it matter to me that they formulated any laws at all for non-Jews? Why, what impact does that have on me when I'm reading first-century Jewish texts written by Yeshua's disciples and the Apostle Paul and understanding their worldview? What does and, and this is one of the things that it seems that the, these teachers from FFOZ, they're, they're not connect, they're jumping. They're jumping and imposing later things onto earlier things. And it's, it's, it's that one sentence. It, it encapsulates the whole problem is if if our hashkafa is going to have oral Torah as a key part of it, then certainly the apostles must do the same thing. It's anachronism. Uh, and so here, I, I'm I'm hearing more of the same thing. Yeah, exactly. What I was going to say is that. Uh, um, sorry, I'm texting my wife. Um, what I was going to first things first. First things first. What I was going to say is that uh, you know, if, if for those who don't know what the Noahide laws are, it's based off of an obscure verse that says nothing about laws. Yeah, it's it's read read Tim Hague's article. Do the seven go to heaven? Yeah, you can find it on. And then there's a, a shorter. It's like it's a pretty healthy paper, but it was presented at ETS. And then there's also a second article just on. Acts 15 and the Jerusalem Council. That's a shorter, maybe 10-page article that has, there's some, uh, what do you call it? There's some layover between the two. There's some areas that they share. Both are important. Sure. But learning, learning how to think with the sources and be responsible with historical uh, understanding and chronology and terminology that's something we value at Torah Resource. Okay, we, value, we value accuracy in terminology, and we value accuracy in chronology. And when you start grayifying and fuzzifying those things, you can come up with all sorts of crazy doctrines. Oh, sure. The rabbis do it all the time. Okay, let's keep going with this. Do not curse God and finally to establish courts of justice. I, but I don't have time to show you where here's where the rabbis get this from this wording and all that. But I think the point is, is that the worldview of the apostles <laughs> probably included this idea. <laughs> probably. Probably, yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of assumption going Caleb, on here. Caleb, if you, build, if you build your house over there, it'll probably stay up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can, I'll tell you what, build, and you could put a, put a bedroom upstairs for Ben and then park your, and then if you build your garage over there, you you park your car in it. It probably won't tip over. It probably won't collapse. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry about it. Okay. Maybe we not exactly. <laughs> but this idea, this idea of a set of universal laws going back to Noah. And what does this have to? But this doesn't have to do with anything anyway, because. The point is new life in Messiah is resurrect is life from the dead of yeah, being, okay. of whether you're Jew or Gentile and you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Okay. And but, it's by the breath of the Ruach HaKodesh in Messiah Yeshua's shed blood that purchases us purchases us and redeems us from that fallen place, whether you're Jew or Gentile. Okay, but but you, you, you okay, but hang on, you have to understand what, what Janaki's trying to do here. 
Let me tell you the end from the beginning, okay? Uh, this is what he's attempting to set up. He's trying to say, look, FOZ doesn't believe that there's two Torahs for, uh, for, you know, one for the Jews and one for the Gentiles. We don't believe that. He's going to say, we don't believe that, uh, you know, that uh, the Gentiles shouldn't keep the Torah. We don't believe any of that. What we do believe, and this is what 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 I took away from yeah, his. I, what, yeah, okay. uh, this is what I took away from his talk. Now, you know, I I'm more than willing. You know, uh, Toby's my friend on Facebook. I'm more than willing to to discuss this with him. Uh, I doubt you know that he will uh, because just sim- not because not because uh, Toby's not a good guy. He is a good guy, but because uh, you know I think the FFOZ tries to stay away from you know having scholarly conversations about this kind of stuff. They're not interested in that. But, uh, you know, what I got from Toby's lecture here is that, no, we believe that Gentiles should keep the Torah, but there are certain parts of the Torah that aren't for Gentiles. And the Gentiles don't need to keep those and shouldn't keep those. They're for Jews, which is interesting. Is Sabbath one of them? I, I, they haven't produced a list yet, and that's interesting yeah, because it's it's like exactly and, and that's the, exactly the point. And the, Jan, Janicki and and uh, uh, Lancaster of FFOZ both claim to be Gentiles. I thought yeah, Lancaster they, converted. Someone told, I do not know either of these guys. Someone told me he converted. Well, that might but, be the case, but there's oh, still you know Gent- what? But I, I have to say, I do not know. I do not know. Okay, well, I, let's I'm keep... curious. I'm curious. Uh, we've heard of other people who've converted to under to messianic judaism yeah so uh, look look but the point here is that is that in my in what i think janicki is attempting to do here is show is show how he can get to this conclusion look we have the noahide laws and the and the and from the noahide laws uh stem all of the laws that the gentiles need to keep i think that's what he's doing i think that's what he's you know he's not saying look you should only keep seven laws and you'll go to heaven i think what janicki starting point yeah, he, what he's trying to say is, look, the moral laws stem from the Noahite laws. Okay, it, basically, if you want to know, should I slander someone? The answer is no, and the reason why is because we can deduce but from... I, but, okay, they asked Yeshua, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, hear, O Israel. He recites the Shema, and then he says, love your neighbors yourself. <clears throat> Neither of those are in the what he's calling the Noahide laws. No, but he's going to say that and we And those are the greatest... Do those apply to me as a Gentile? Would well, First Fruits of Zion say that the Shema and the love of your neighbor apply to me as a, as a Gentile believer in Yeshua? I think that he, they would say yes because... Now, look, once again, I, I can't talk for FFOZ, but I think that they would say yes, and the reason why is because Yeshua says this is the greatest commandment of all. So everything stems from that. And I think they'd also go back to Hillel, Hillel, who... Uh, purportedly said, and I don't think that this is actually true. I think that this is a response to Yeshua. Well, that's in the Babylonian. Yeah, it's late. It's in the Babylonian Talmud. So, he says that, that what is hateful to you, don't do it to another. The rest is commentary. Yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The rest is yeah, commentary. That's that's, that's ba- that only occurs in the Babylonian Talmud, and that's late. That's yeah. No, I agree, but I mean, FOZ is not going to admit that. They're going to say that's from Sinai, or something like that. So, so here we are. When he says we need to include oral Torah as part of our hashkafa, which is our good Ashkenazi trans, uh, pronunciation, is he extending the canon? Yes. Is he saying that that I, the Talmud? I, but by the way, let, we just need to reiterate. I don't think we can say this enough. When they're talking about oral Torah, they're talking about written texts. Yeah, of course. Don't let don't let the oral word. 
<laughs> fool you. <laughs> fool you. We're talking about just another couple books. Another, we're, we're adding the Talmud. We're adding the Mishnah. We're adding the Midrashim. And maybe even extending into Zohar. No, the no, no, no. They, I, I, th I think that they reject that. Now, I think that... Okay, well, well, there's a lot of Jews today that, that see Zohar as part of the oral tradition, as sacred... Yeah, it's Akshapira. Uh, yeah, a sacred uh, Jewish text that's yeah. part of the canon, along with the Talmud and the Tanakh. I mean, that's that if so. Maybe what they need to do, as 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 the the Kinzerites try to articulate <laughs> the place of Messianic Jews. Did you just the, say the Kinzerites? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, applaud! I, I got they're, applause they're, for you. That's that's a good one. It's a mix of the Parasites and the Kenizzites. <laughs> the Mark Kinzerites. Kinzerites. Who want to establish Messianic Judaism as a valid branch of Judaism. They're going to need to articulate things like, what is the canon? And they're going to have to articulate if... Because <laughs> different branches of, of Jewish expression today have opinions on the place of the Zohar, on the place of the Talmud. That's why it's nice being evangelical and sticking to it. Boy. Our canon is set. We know it's, it's been set. set. Yeah. It was set by God. Anyway, okay, let's and keep going. And we could go off on this. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, let's get let's let's keep going. We we still haven't even okay, here we go. Even find in literature predating the New Testament uh, examples of, of of these type of lists of Noahide laws relating to Noah. For example, we find that in the book of Jubilees as well. Yeah, but in Jubilees you have <laughs> Jub he's keeping the feasts. All the all the patriarchs kept all the feasts before Torah was given. That if you want to use Jubilees, and not only that, Jubilees has a sharp distinction. It says you don't even eat with Gentiles. Not only that, Jubilees rejects conversion. There's no way for a non-Jew to become a Jew in Jubilees. You're either circumcised on the eighth day by your father, or you're out. That's it. And you, there's no fellowship with Gentiles. You don't eat with them. You don't, you don't accept their food. So if he's going to throw Jubilees out there on the table as support of his argument, no. Eh, fail. Serious fail. Oh, okay. Hang on just a Jubilees second. does not support. Here we go. Hang on. And that is what we call a theological fail. <laughs> fail. My boy is wicked smat. All right, should we keep going? You want to keep going on Jubilees? No, no, let's go. Yeah, don't buy it. Yeah, obviously, don't. even the rabbis would admit, and they'd say, you know, these are seven laws. These are all laws that are then later repeated in the Torah, but that uh, these laws are not an end unto themselves, right? Just okay, like in Acts 15. How do you? Okay, so okay, now, now do you understand? What, do, now do you understand why I think that that's where he's going? Here's they're not the an end to themselves. One other point. One other point. He keeps. They're not called the Noahide laws. They're not called laws. They're called mitzvot, commandments. Literally, I know we we sometimes say Noahide laws because it's it's an easy little kind of brand. Well, but let's not let's not fault him on that. Come on now. Technically, we're talking about commandments. Okay, but and, now we're nitpicking just a little bit, right? No. Here's why. Because a commandment has to, a commandment implies the commander, the person giving the commandment, 
and it implies the person receiving the order and the idea of obedience or disobedience. So by disobedience, you're going to be judged. When we say laws, yeah, that's implied, but I just want to get, if we want to be precise, uh, the rabbinic uh, Hebrew term, they use the term mitzvah, mitzvot, the commandments, and it implies judgment for failure to do these things. I don't think it applies at all to Acts 15. Okay, let's keep going. Not be sexually immoral. Well, you have to go back to the Torah to define that. So, there, really, this, this encompasses numerous moral laws for righteous living. So I think within these Noahide laws that Messianic Gentiles, as I said in the last session, can find a legitimate identity. Uh, now, this is where I want to stop it. What is it? What, what? Hang on. Legitimate identity. When, did, when does the Bible teach us? Hang on, just a sec. This is the huge problem. We only got seven seconds left in this clip. Let's see, okay. see if he ties it up. It doesn't end there, but this is a good way for us to relate to the Torah. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. This is, and this is the problem that I have with all of this. Our identity does not, our identity comes through the Messiah. Now, I, I'll, I'll right. give it to, I'll give it to Toby. I'll, I'll, I admit that when, once the Messiah sh- enters our life, changes us, justifies us, turns us towards him, okay, once we become one of his, then what happens? We are sanctified. We talk about this all the time. Okay, so sanctification. And I understand that that's what he's saying, like, but we don't find our identity in the laws, the Noahide laws, or the laws of Acts 15, or right. even the laws of Torah, we find our identity in the Messiah first and foremost. Exactly. And it is that we conform to what he wants. Now, granted, what he wants is Torah. And this is why it's so egregious to me that F of OZ is saying that there are some laws that are for Jews and not for Gentiles. No! The, the Torah is a reflection. It is a reflection of who the Messiah Yeshua actually is. It is a reflection of the Most Holy God. And so when we start keeping Torah, it is that we are reflecting the light of the Messiah, the light of our Holy God, back into the world. And so this is why it's so egregious to Amen. me that we, we can't, you know, we're not supposed to keep some of the laws. No, God does not, God does not change. We know this specifically from the scriptures themselves. It says, God does not change, therefore, yod heh does not change, therefore, you are not consumed, right? Okay, so the point is, is that if the Gentiles are only keeping part of the Torah because the other parts for the Jews, then what part? So we're not supposed to reflect who God is. We're not supposed to shine the light of the full Messiah. We're only supposed to shine half of the Messiah out. Nonsense. That's why it's so egregious to me. And this is the difference between one Torah, one one law theology, and whatever it is that F of OZ is now trying to peddle. Which is nonsense. It's just total non. And the lack of scholarship exuded in this teaching is is. Uh, well, it's so it's it's. They have social a social agenda, and the social agenda is trumping theology. Oh. The 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 social agenda is to to be acceptable by a certain percentage of of humans they want to be appear acceptable um 
they want to please men. And I, that might sound harsh. I don't know. Tell me how it's not that way. Tell me how what Kinzer's point is of wanting to separate from our evangelical roots and establish ourselves as legitimate branch of, of Judaism, or what he just said, finding legitimate identity. They, I don't know how to parse that except that it has a social goal to, to tell uh, Jewish believers in Yeshua to submit to rabbinic authority and to um, adopt rabbinic uh, map of the world, a Talmudic framework for interpreting reality as well as interpreting the apostolic writings. And the reason they're coming, because it's a social, because we want to feel comfortable. We want to uh, show that we're, we, are, we are in solidarity with our Orthodox Jewish brothers and sisters. And we want to show that solidarity by living a lifestyle that is what Kinzer calls post-missionary. Uh, yeah, and we talked about this back when we I when call we it post-saltiness. I, yeah. I say it post-salt. Post-saltiness. Okay, let's keep going then. So, uh, because okay, so I don't know. Maybe we're you know maybe the, maybe our listeners are saying why are we even talking about this now? But uh, you know we're getting it. We're going to get into uh, we're going to get into the didache, which is going to be interesting uh, because apparently now when this was recorded in 2015, now they just posted it on their YouTube page a couple months ago, but when they first uh, when they first taught this, Janicki claims that they're that FOZ is doing substantial work on their own translation of the didache. <laughs> and I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't either. I, I don't understand why, like with the, the Dalich, they, they wanted to take an, a 19th century Hebrew translation of uh, Greek scriptures and translate that back into English and present it. I mean, that was a big funded thing. I mean, those are nice, really nicely made books. Real, I mean, professional production effort. Oh, they're that. not slouching. Look, F but I don't, does beautiful I did, work I, when it comes to, like, the look. Yeah, I don't, I don't get, get it either. I don't and get so it. So the whole thing here, what, it's, to me, it's distraction. It's another distraction. The That's Messianic my, movement as a whole is becoming a distraction. There's so many, yeah, there's so many flies. And mosquitoes. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. They're distracting. Okay, let, let's keep going. Let's listen right. to Janicki on this. So what does this mean then? So the apostolic decree, as I said, it's based in current halakha. The apostles aren't making stuff up, which then I would suggest to you means that we shouldn't make stuff up. Oh, really? Well, that would be nice, Mr. Janicki. The halakha already exists. It's already out there. Now there is some sifting we have to do and some studying and uh, you know, a ver a differing opinions we have to go through. But it's already there. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't understand. It's double, it's double talk. I don't understand. He says it's, halakha is already there. Hal does he define halakha for us? Halakha, you know what the halakha means? The halakha means the, the rabbinically decided procedure for fulfilling a specific mitzvah. Well, okay, in other no, words, no, wait, hang halakha, on just a second. Wait a minute, let me finish. The halakha in rabbinic Judaism 
is there's halakha pertaining to every mitzvah, to every commandment. And, in, and my desire is to keep the commandment. So what I do is I look to the halakha. And the halakha tells me the procedure by which I know whether or not I have uh, kept yetza, the commandment. It's Yetzah Chayav that I have in, in Mishnah, Yetzah Chayav. He has, his, he has released, his, he's released of his obligation. In other words, in rabbinic world, every Jew is obligated to a, a fixed set of commandments. Obligated. It's not you're responsible for okay, it. Okay, but hang on. Wait, but, wait. And so, in order to do that, in order to discharge that obligation, you have to you do it according I, to the I, I got, I got to cry, cry foul here, though, because you use the word halakha quite often. We, you and I both use the word halakha to describe how we, the order in which we believe God ha- wants us to keep our lives. So it's not, we, we even use that word outside of rabbinic Judaism. Yeah, right? but he's using it, he's using it. He's not using it for the apostles. He's saying that there was a rabbinic halakha in place, and they're just fall. And the apostles are just following it. So let me let me uh, let me make sure so I understand what you're am saying. I, am I missing his point? Let, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. So. He's saying they did not invent a halakha. That and, they're that so they're you would, you, would, you would say that the apostles, well, mainly Yeshua himself, invented, or not invented, but but uh, ascribed to true halakha. That is the way that the Torah. Truly, and God truly wants us to act out the Torah. Yeah, and that, but that's not rabbinic halakha. I completely agree with you. But so, so it's it's not the, the difficulty word. is the word. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. But but the, but, but the, well, let me understand. So what you're saying is is that the way that you believe Janaki is using this word now is that there was prescribed halakha by the ra- ra- rabbis that the that the apostles they didn't they didn't make anything new they didn't go off on their own way they weren't some splinter group of Judaism in the first century. No, they were Pharisees, and they accepted Pharisaic law. Well, there were Pharisees among them, it says. And, uh, yeah, but but they, it dated all the way back to, to Moses. They accepted it. I don't know how else to understand what he's saying. If he's not saying that, what else could? What else is he saying? I, I'm hearing him say that there was I agree the, with you. the Holocaust I, I, existed, and the apostles are not inventing anything new. They're just interacting with existing Jewish halakha. But your rub is not against the word halakha itself. We use the word halakha. It's the, the way that he's using it, and the idea that they are, uh, yeah. I, I, well, I don't think it applies. I don't. I, I don't think it's helpful with re, with reading Acts 15. I agree with you completely. I, I mean, once again, you know, I, I hate to keep... We've done shows on this. I, I hate well, to keep Acts reference. 15 is so important. I've, I, I, think, uh, I think it's posted some of, some of the article when I had time a couple of years ago. It was on Messianic publications on, on circumcision. But the point is, Acts 15, verse 1, the thing at Antioch, people were told... Uh, Basically, unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. You are unable to be saved. Caleb, did I lose you? No, I'm with you, man. I'm looking for my Bible. Okay. You are unable to be saved. Then it causes a huge dispute. you got all these Gentiles that thought they were saved. And they're like, what? I wasn't circumcised according to the custom of Moses. You're telling me I'm not saved? That I, that I cannot be saved? <clears throat> so they go. And by, chap- by verse 5, they're in Jerusalem discussing the matter, 
And it says some of the Pharisees stood up and said, well, it's necessary that we, that we circumcise them and command them to, uh, so, to keep the Torah of Moses. I agree with you on everything that you're saying. But here's the thing. I think that, uh, that Janicki kind of set up a straw man in his—and in his, uh, we even played a uh, little bit of the clip where he set up this straw man. And it's the idea that, oh, well, th- you know, the, the apostles in Acts 15, they weren't just making arbitrary— you know, laws. They didn't just come up right. with four arbitrary laws. No. He's saying it's oral Torah. Yeah, he's saying it's oral they're, Torah. They're, but, they're he, but, but the straw man that he's setting up, in my mind, is the idea that that we, who you know, who, whoever is his detractors in this, whether it's us, whether it's somebody else, it seems like Janicki's saying, well, those, you know, almost like he's saying, well, the people who are going to, you know, be my detractors, they're saying that these laws were just arbitrary, that these guys just came up with four laws. No, that's not the case at all. Right, Once again, right. we got to go back to a that in my mind is a, is a straw man argument. Go back to the historical grammatical interpretation. What was going on in the first century? <clears throat> in my mind, uh, you know, I will admit that there is some form of what we could call rabbinic Judaism attached to this. And that is now that's going to be ISO'd somewhere, but uh, that is my point. There is that I think that the four laws were things that they would get the Gentiles kicked out of the synagogue hands down, no questions asked. Still relating to idolatry. The the four things were related in some way to idolatry, and so they're telling them, "Look, keep away from these four things that will make you be seen as an idolater straight away." Well, and 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 they have to do with things pertaining to the worship of the the exclusive worship of the God of Israel. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that. It's like, look, and that's why these people are like orphans. These Gentiles, they're like orphans. They're coming from—I mean, you have to imagine. Paul's going into synagogues, and he's telling Gentiles to abandon idolatry. And it is destabilizing these local Jewish communities throughout the, the Mediterranean diaspora. Because well, they, had, they had negotiated a safe space for their communities by saying, look— Jews, Jews in the synagogues in the Greco-Roman era, out in you know the those synagogues in Asia, which we call you know Turkey today, in Greece and in Rome, etc. Those synagogues did not go around telling Gentiles that they were idolaters and then they they needed to abandon their ancestral traditions. No, what they said is, look, we have our ancestral traditions. You, got you yours. have yeah. you Romans have yours. Let us do ours, you do yours, and we'll do business together, and we'll and, – and we have the decree. Josephus uh, preserves for us a number of decrees from Caesar saying, look, you can't go – telling Romans, you can't go into – pull a Jew uh, – go into a Jewish community on like a Friday afternoon or on a, on a Saturday. You have to respect their places. Like actually protecting this space. Okay, well, what happens when you have a Jew from Jerusalem come in there on a Shabbat and starts telling Gentiles that they're idolaters? It upsets the whole apple cart. It it does. It's, it literally does. Well, it metaphor. It does what Yeshua did. It upsets the money changing tables. Now all of a sudden, wait a minute. We had we had business going on, good trades. You know, we're doing our part, you're doing your part, and you came and you knocked, you let all the animals free and you knocked over the, the tables. That's what Paul's doing when he comes in and says, you guys are idolaters, you need to repent. There's only one true God, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, he sent his son 
to die for sin, and you need to repent and believe the gospel. That's the deal. And that, that's just a core piece to this. It was not a, it's not like, oh, this is just like we have this tradition, and it just needed this. It's like a garment that had a little break, and we we're just going to sew a new patch on it. And the patch is called Messiah, Yeshua. So I'm, I'm a Jew and I just have this, but I had, you know, I'm a completed Jew because now my, my little tear has a little Messiah patch. No, it's a whole new garment. You need a whole new garment. I think that, yeah, yeah. And the, and the point in uh, Acts 15, you know, the, the, he nails it in, in the, the nail in the coffin in, in verse 21. But of course, Janneke is going to say, yeah, the seven Noahite laws need to be expanded into the rest of the Torah. I think that's what he would say. I think. Now, I don't want to put words in Janneke's mouth. Okay, if um, that's true, let's just assume that's true. Maybe even if it's, let's just assume that thought. Even We don't even have to put uh, Toby Janneke's name on it. We can just okay. say, let's assume that thought for a minute. Okay. Why do we need to bring this concept of seven Noahide laws even into the conversation then? Why not just stick with the apostolic writings and use terminology that we find there? And that's the point. And just say, hey, yeah, look, yeah. be born, it, 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 you know. I'm with Why you on do that, we have man. to bring this thing from later and throw the monkey wrench into the system and then try to explain around it? Why? Because the social of what their social experiment is, which is to try to make oral Torah elevate a new symbol. They're, they're trying to take and hold to a new Judaic symbol that's called oral Torah, and they want it to have authority. Uh, maybe they would say, well, not full canonical authority, but well, it has some sort of vague authority. Well, what they're doing is they're trying to add and expand wait, the canonical foundations of, of what it takes are you, to be in Messiah. Are you saying that they're making stuff up? I, I, well, no, I don't know because hey, hang on. I don't think Listen. they're making it up. I think they're drawing on Talmud. Listen. But if we study the, if we study what the what the what the current rabbis have said about Noahide laws and about the the Gerto Shav, uh, for instance, here's uh, Rabbi Yoel Schwartz. He says a Noahide should not observe a Sabbath in the manner that a Jew does. What does he mean by that? We might say, oh, you can't observe Sabbath. What he's saying is, in his opinion that a Gentile should not take on a fully halakhic Sabbath. That's all he's talking about. In fact, he goes on to say... Should a Jew... Room to- is, 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 he, is he saying that Jews should take on a whole... Is, in other words... Okay, so Caleb, look, there's two ways to keep the Shabbat. There's the halakhic way, and then there's the non-halakhic way. And they're, they're both under the umbrella of Shabbat. But if you're Jewish, you're obligated... You're sinning if you don't do it according to the halakhic way. But for a Gentile, they should just do it the non-halakhic way, and then everybody can keep a Shabbat. And so that's the opinion of the guy he quotes. So what about that opinion? What's, what's his opinion? Well, let's listen. Halakhic Sabbath. That's all he's talking about. In fact, he goes on to say... There is room to suggest that the Noahide, even nowadays, by accepting to fulfill the seven commandments, are in the same category as a ger toshav and should be allowed to keep the Sabbath. So what I'm trying to show you is that if we start diving into the halakha surrounding the Noahide and the ger toshav, it can help clear up some things. And again, then we don't get this feeling like we're making stuff up. <laughs> Did you... Um... Did you ever read Forbes.com? No. It's like a famous website. Uh, but 
today's oh it's gone now but every usually the first time you go to a the Forbes website in on a certain day it it doesn't take you to the site it takes you to a famous one liner okay um and this morning was Albert Einstein now this is uh the morning of what is it august 23rd third um and he says, if you can't, and now I'm going to, this is my paraphrase. I'll see if I can find it. If you can't state something simply, in simple terms, it's because you don't understand it well enough. And I think what we're seeing here is they don't understand well enough what they're trying to say. That's, that's, that's my opinion, is that, they, that they, we've heard from these teachings uh, that they don't have a grasp a clear grasp on what it is they want to say. And so what they do is they flower it up. It's just, it's like, it's, it's like professionally de- delivered. It's well produced in terms of printing and publication and arts, beautiful artwork. But when it comes to clarity of, of communication, it's like fuzzy land. It's like fuzzy, um, murky, cloudy. It's like I don't know exactly what it is they're saying. My, my takeaway. I think on contrast, you come to any of the Torah resource articles, uh, take our class. Our classes, though, we do, we are pretty rigorous. Um, but we... We come back with a clear foundation, a very clear foundation, in, in my view. And I think that, I think we have two very different approaches here to the scriptures, to to scholarship in general, to, to just research, to research. Okay, we got two more clips. Let's listen. let's let's listen. Let's listen. Real quick, for those of you that are new to the Didache, what is the Didache? Didache is a word that means teaching. It is a work that some scholars believe is, uh, is as early as 50 CE. It represents some scholars. a time when believers... Some scholars. I think there's one scholar who places it. Yeah, I think Jonathan Draper is one of the guys who's... In, uh, Jonathan Draper has some, some good things, but, but he's pushing the, the Didache way too early, in my opinion. I think it's been proven by other scholars that he's pushing it too early. Yeah. So, so is he going to tell us what other scholars say? That some scholars say it's uh, late second century, or, or mid, even later. Yeah. Or even mid second century. I mean, so, or is he just going to hint? Oh, this is. Oh, so this is, this is right along with Romans. Man, this might even be older than Paul's epistle to the Romans. <laughs> well, who cares? You know, does that mean it's canon anyway again we're expanding the canon a time when believers were still operating within judaism so here's a work <laughs> that we have uh it didn't make it into the new testament for various reasons there were times when uh many of the believers actually thought it was uh, considered it scripture many uh, ch- I, I don't know about that I, i'll have to look into that He's just throwing out no i know i know i i know that it's in lists i know that it's represented in lists but I'm 
pretty sure I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure in every list that we have of the canon before uh, uh, the council that uh, that solidified the canon, uh, I think in every list that we have, it's it's listed as disputed. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it's listed as. And disputed. I think it promotes Sunday, like worship on the Sunday. Yeah, it, it, there's some very. Yeah, yeah. There's it, it, it already it already uh, it moves towards replacement theology. So anyway, and that's know. one of the biggest. I think that's one of the main issues on why it also says to fast, not on the days of the hypocrites, and and it, so in other words, it 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 recommends. Two days a week for fasting, but different than the days that was apparently in the Pharisaic tradition. Yes. So it's we're gonna, we're going to. So that's innovation. That's a halakhic innovation. And for various reasons, there were times when uh, many of the believers actually thought it was uh, considered it scripture. Many uh, church fathers and early church writers considered it scripture, but it never made it into the canon. I well, okay. I just want to clarify. <clears throat> he says there there's. There was a time when many believers and the church fathers believed it, have, believed it was that. canon. We don't I, have that I, data, or I, or it was. Yeah, I, I would like I would like to see. You know, there might be one or two of the lists where they do consider it canon. I don't think so, though. But even then, that rep, that rep, does not represent a, a majority of. Uh, should I ask my dad? <laughs> Should I stop and ask my dad? Oh, hey, Chad! Hey, Chad! <laughs> hey, what, was the Didache ever uh, listed as accepted by any of the lists as canon, or was it always uh, uh, listed as disputed? It's always listed as disputed. Always listed as disputed. And I don't think it was ever... Hang on, folks. I, I, I don't remember that it was ever listed as, uh, as even... Um, canonical because it was never it never intended it was never in its own wording said to be the words of the of the apostles yeah the yeah all right yeah and here's the thing a canon means it's it's something they're the books that are being quoted extensively by the church fathers they quote prof the prophets they quote the torah they quote the gospels they quote paul extensively why because it's they're hashkafa is defined by the Tanakh and the apostolic writings. They don't quote extensively from the Didache. Didache I, is never, it re registers as something that is key for, cr critical for character development or behavior or practice. I just realized that people who might be tuning in for the very first time thinks that I'm in my dad, my parents' basement, like I'm living in my parents' say, basement. Mom! <laughs> hey, Mom! Hey, Dad! <laughs> Mom, will you make me a sandwich? <laughs> For hey. anyone who's new, I work in the same office with my father. I'm in my father's basement. There you go. Okay, let's keep going. We're I have father owns this house. Well, I think and. it's I think it's your wife's basement, but whatever. Yeah. Okay, so I. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I, <laughs> I I stopped it at 38 seconds. We got uh, yeah, we got quite a ways to go in this uh, did I K clip here. But it was written at a very early period. And the longer title of the Didache is the teaching of the Lord to the Gentiles through the 12 apostles. Oh. What is it? It's halakha for new Gentile believers. Ooh. This is kind of a, you know, at First Year's Design, we've been working on a, on a commentary for this and a new translation. 
for over two years now. I'll give you an update on that in just a few minutes. But we've been working on this. And to Hang on just a sec. This was recorded in 2015. That, that means that so far, if they're still working it's been another on another year. It's been, it's been year. three years. The didache is not that big. No, and the Greek is really simple. <laughs> is it? Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like basic, basic Koine Greek. Real easy. And I so, I've only read a little bit of it in the Greek. I, I think I've probably read, I don't know, maybe a chapter of it in the Greek. Anyway, let's keep going. It's incredibly exciting because it helps clear up so many issues. <laughs> and the oh. thing about the Didache is that all of its teachings are drawn from Scripture. It kind of reworks the words of Yeshua and the apostles and the rest of Scripture and presents halakha and instruction for Gentiles. The Didache is not a manual of theology. It's a manual of practice. It's the Messianic Noahide Ger Toshav manual. <laughs> it's Tractate Gerim for the Messianic Gentile. I think for Messianic Gentiles, and I really do believe for Messianic Jews as well, a fresh translation and a fresh look at the Didache is one of the most important things that we need to accomplish in the coming years. I found, I found that quote, by the way, and I'm hearing it again. If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. All Did he's you... doing, this, this is just vision casting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we need a fresh translation. Caleb, I have this ancient text. Not a lot of people know about it, and it's so underappreciated because it brings so much clarity to Yeshua's teachings, to the apostles' teachings, to the understanding of Tanakh itself. And what we need, both Messianic Gentiles and Messianic Jews, what we need is a brand new, fresh translation and commentary on this because it is going to solve it solves so many problems it brings so much he said, but listen that's to what, what i'm says. hearing him say that's he what say, i'm he hearing. says that it's the most important thing for jew jews and gentiles in the messianic communities a fresh translation of the didache why for messianic jews as well a fresh translation and a fresh look at the didache is one of the most important things that we need to accomplish in the coming years that is ridiculous there it is there's his they're, that's their hand. They're showing their hand yeah. right there. They, that's a vision. They're casting a vision for, and they want you to, inevitably, they're going to need money to support the project. <laughs> they're gonna, it's the same thing with, the, with the, the Dalich. How much money did they ask for? And people donated all this money to do, uh, to, to do a project that was so ill-conceived that it was just, to me, Oh, uh, it's a travesty. To, well, it, it is an ill-conceived project. We got 12 seconds left in this clip. Let's listen to it. I think this is going to help solve a lot of problems, and it will give us a fresh window into apostolic practice. There's the fourth time you use the word you fresh. Know, yeah. It's going to be fresh. That's because that's... Uh, N.T. Wright is the one that brought that into the a fresh reading of Paul back, you know, in the 90s, talking about oh, fresh. On, come on now. N.T. Wright. A fresh I, reading. I, I disagree with N.T. Wright on a lot of things. But one thing I can say is that he's definitely a Brit when it comes to speech. That no, but guy, he, but, that, he, I know, I know. Fresh reading. Uh, what, what are some of the – I mean, he's got all these little phrases that he yeah, uses. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And, I love and it. it's great. 
but now the, the, in in like you know who tries to do that? You know five who tries sentences to, he uses fresh four times. You, Why? Because he doesn't have another word to use. You know, you know who else does that, but not nearly, but does it horribly. That Trump. Trump tries to use all these words to like explain stuff to make it sound amazing, huge, great. Right? No, he's he needs to take some notes from from NT Wright. Get some new, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I got. We got one clip left. It's a long one. It's two minutes long, Uh, and then we'll put it to. We'll put. We'll put the Janicki lecture to rest, uh, at least for now. Ask the question again. What is a messianic Gentile? What does messianic Judaism for all nations look like? Well, I believe that a messianic Gentile is a Gentile who lives out his obligations to Torah. As a Noahide, as a Gertoshav, and last but certainly not least, as a disciple of our Master Yeshua. Go. What I heard him just say is that a Messianic, or wait, a, a non Jewish believer in Yeshua who wants to practice Messianic, Messianic Judaism, Judaism yeah. needs to live out the, their Torah obligations as a Noahide. That's right. Which, which means son of Noah. I, I reject, I can't even believe those words came out of his mouth. I reject that outright. You are a, if you are born anew in Messiah Yeshua, you are a son of Abraham. Yes. You are not a son of Noah. Yes, you're a son of Noah, but you are a son of Abraham, and you're a son of the Most High. You're not a, if, if to adopt the category of Ben Noah is to adopt Talmudic, rabbinic worldview, and let that oral Torah tradition, whatever that is, to define your world in a way that is just going to put a, the bushel over the candle. You're, you're losing your saltiness. Re- I absolutely reject what this guy just said. You are a son of Abraham. You are not a B'nai Noach. You are not a Noachide. Do not think, if you think of yourself as a Noachide, you've rejected the gospel, and you do not understand what Yeshua has done for you, and you do not understand the wait, apostolic... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, so, so tell me why. Why, no, why would you... Why, use... why. And if you're thinking of yourself as a B'nai Noach, or as a Noachide, and you're saying you believe in Yeshua, then you need to do the exact opposite of what Janaki's telling you to, which is to, to how important this new, fresh, 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 fresh translation and commentary of the Didache is over the next years, and you need to study the apostolic writings as if your life depended on it. And you need to stop listening to people pushing Noahide concepts. They're, it's only, it's only going to get in the way. But why you did to, you say? Why would you say that someone who considers themselves a B'nai Noach rejects the gospel? Because, in essence, they are rejecting the truth that that's not who they are. You can't. I can't. It's like I can't be a disciple of Yeshua. I can't be. At what Paul says, you are by faith a son of Abraham. If you're in Messiah, you're a son of Abraham. I can't, if, I, if I say that in one breath, and then I say, oh, well, really, I'm just a Noahide. What, how, that's like schizophrenia. How can you be, why would I, oh, I'm a Noahide. Oh, I'm actually a, a, a son of Abraham by faith. I'm son of, son of God in Yeshua Messiah. Oh, I'm a I'm a B'nai Noach. I'm a Noachide. How can you be both? I don't understand how one, a person could be both those things. I think it's one or the other. And if you're if you if you're saying that you're both, you 
you don't under, you haven't grasped the issues and it's probably because you're listening to teachers like this that you're confused about it any questions folks <laughs> let's keep going now of course these are not the same obligations that messianic jews have two torahs yeah exactly two torahs then but okay, no, wait. Are- we'll just say different obligations, Caleb. That's what not, he th- Yeah, that's They're not what he commandments. Th- they're obli- so now obligations different than commandment. Now we get to what I was saying, mitzvah versus Torah. They want to say there's one Torah, but they want to say different obligations. So they want to separate obligations. So different commandments. Well, are commandments the same as obligations? Is there any obligation you have that's not a commandment? Why, if, if they're, why would he not use commandments then? Different commandments. He wants to say obligations. Why? Because it softens. We're, it, it, we're not talking about commandments anymore. We're talking about these ideas now. Oh, I've got a different obligation than you do. Well, no, Torah doesn't use that terminology. Torah uses commandments. Mitzvot. Which implies a, a mitzaveh, one who commands, the commander. The person who says do and do not do that and do this. That's the scenario here. Obligations that are defined by the same religion that is Judaism. (laughs) So in Messianic Judaism, in Messianic Judaism for all nations, it calls upon Gentile believers to take on the the yoke of the commandment as they apply to Gentiles. But we also have to be careful to not co-opt Jewish identity. (laughs) It calls upon Messianic Gentiles to participate in Jewish community and to whatever extent possible uh, Jewish ceremony. But always, again, under those parameters of the Noachide and the Ger Toshav. Messianic Judaism for all nations calls Messianic Gentiles to the light of the Torah, the light of the Sabbath. I'm sorry, I got to say, you know, this, what he's doing right here, he's building the wall back up. Yeshua came to tear down the wall, right? Ephesians 3. Yeshua comes, tears down the wall. And honestly, Janaki is just building that wall right back up. Separate those Jews and Gentiles. Remind me, I'm sorry. I think we talked about this before. When he says we, he considers himself a Gentile. Gentile. Right, okay. So he considers himself a Noahide. I... If we could get these guys to talk about that kind of stuff, it would be a miracle. These guys will not – that's just it. You know, they have big words in, when, when they're preaching to their choir. Why not that? Why doesn't he just – if this is the point, why not come out? Hey, hi, my name's Toby. I'm a, I'm a believer in Yeshua. I'm a Noahide. And if you're – and I'm a Gentile. I'm a Gentile believer in Yeshua. I love the Torah, and I'm a Noahide, and here's why. And I think, you I too – and how come he doesn't say, and you too, if you're a Gentile believer in Yeshua, you too need to be a Noahide just like me. I think that's what he's saying here. But he's, but how, but he's not just coming out and saying it. It's like... I think that's what he's saying right here. I think he's coming right out and saying it. Oh, okay. You're, to be fair, to be fair, we haven't, I haven't heard the whole thing. I don't know if he comes out and says, I am a Noahide or not. Maybe he does. Well, I think so, that him saying that he's a Gentile and then saying, if you're a Gentile, you're a Noahide. 
That's what he's saying. Okay, I don't recall him saying he was a Gentile. That's the, that's my bad. Every every uh, intro to uh, to uh, uh, FFOZ TV episodes, you know, he hosts those. Okay, and he, so he always says, "I am a Messianic Gentile." Does he ever say, "I am a Noahide"? No. Okay. The light of the festivals to participate them, in them on whatever level is appropriate for them <laughs> under the ideas of Noahide and Ger Toshav. To participate in these ideals not as a sense of obligation but as a sense of solidarity with Israel, unity with the Jewish people and a preparation for the coming kingdom. I don't understand how I honestly don't understand how messianics. Not as, he just said not his obligation. Yeah, I don't understand how messianics and Hebrew roots people can say, "Oh, well, the people in the church have rejected the Torah because they say that it doesn't all apply." But then listen to Janicki and say, "Oh no, yeah, he's gr- yeah, he's great. He's reje- right, he he's he's rejecting it just like the Christians do." Right. Uh, it's the exact same thing. You are not obligated to keep the Torah. That's exactly what he just said. How because is that, it doesn't. Uh, because those commandments don't apply. Yeah. How is that any different than than what the Christian Church says? It's exactly what the Christian Church says. Well, oh, that's you don't the have to thing. They're pushing. They're pushing. Uh... Okay. I I have a, I have, a sh- I have to share something. As a segue. Okay. I know a person who uh, went to a, a messi an Orthodox Messianic synagogue. They visited an Orthodox Messianic synagogue. On a Shabbat, and um, first time there, and he said that they they went through they went pretty quick through Hebrew liturgy, and then it was boom, it was over, and they all went home. And he did talk to two of the young men who attended there separately, and one he asked, you know, I'm really interested in in uh, in this. You know, I'm a, I believe in Yeshua, but I believe in Torah. The first person told him he needed to go study the Noahide laws. He needed to go study what the rabbis say about the Noahide laws. That was one conversation. Then the other conversation, it was the same Shabbat, uh, but he went and ended up, I think, having dinner with the other, the other person invited him. So this was a s- separate person. The conversation there was, you need to go visit you need to go to the local Orthodox Christian church. So he got two different messages from Jewish believers in Yeshua who consider themselves uh, practicing Orthodox Halakha. One, because he was a Gentile visitor, first guy told him that he needed to go research Noahide laws. The second guy who we talked to said, you need to go to an Orthodox Christian church. In both cases, you're not, you know, go somewhere else. Now, I told him, I said, well, you know, they're probably doing this, you know, what they probably learned is what the, you know, what the rabbis teach is like you, sure. you, you deflect three times or something or a number of times to determine the resolve of the person. Because yeah. if they don't come back, then you never wasted a breath, right? But I was just, I was blown away that that a disciple of Yeshua who, who purportedly has the spirit of the Messiah in their life, animating their, their life, 
would give either two of those forms of advice to another person who says, I believe in Yeshua and I'm interested in Torah. That's a, that is so wrong. That is so wrong. And this just happened like within the last two, three weeks. Uh, that is so backwards headed. And it shows me the, just how gullible and how it's sad. It reminds me of the flat earth thing too. I mean, it's like <laughs> oh, people no. who they've turned off their brain for the sake of, out of fear of offending someone else, right? Because you don't want to offend a Jew, right? It's only what's appropriate. And out of fear of offense and out of a desire for some sort of myth of like authenticity of like, you know, and it's just turn off the brain at the door kind of thing. And it's so sad. Um, anyway. All right. That's it. That's what we got. That's what we got for you. I hope uh, you've gained something from it. I don't know. These these kind of shows, I know a lot of people think that we just come down on people all the time. I well, just say, be warned. Be warned. Yeah. I say, here, here's our bottom line. Stick to the scriptures. Yeah, exactly. Read your To the Bible. best of your ability, read your scriptures. And to the best of your ability, start to understand and learn the, the languages behind them. Um, and I would say, come to Torah Resource Institute, take some classes, come to the Torah Resource website, read some articles, you know, listen to Torah Resource Radio. That's my advice. Start there. Yeah. Well, uh, if you want to, you can pray for my family. We're, uh, you know, having a ton of fun, hopefully, down in, uh, down in good old sunny California. And not only that, but uh, we're going to be traveling back, so safe travels. You know, you can always pray for that. Send us emails. Tell us how wrong we are if you want to. Seahag at TorahResource.com. Uh, you can tell us how wrong we are. You can tell us that you agree. Let us know if you're listening. Tell us you're one of the 36 people who listen to this podcast slash what, what a radio show. I don't know. Anyway, we hope that you've uh, enjoyed it. We hope that you've gained something. Please understand that what we're saying is that we are all one in the body of our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Amen. Amen.